A project like this cannot happen without the support of companies who believe in the mission and the message. One such company is Videobox, a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage everyone can afford. Sign up for a free 7-day trial at videobox.com RFS. I also want to give props to Song Freedom. They not only sponsor our regular episodes, but Song Freedom has come aboard to sponsor the Breaking the Glass podcast and film series. When you need legal music for your video productions, including mainstream tunes and oldies but goodies, head on over to songfreedom.com slash radio to unlock your free standard gold level license worth $30. We thank Song Freedom and Video Box for their support. Also, I just want to remind you there's still time to submit a video or multiple videos to be part of the documentary film series portion of Breaking the Glass. We have awards from Lens Pro to Go, Muse Storytelling by Still Motion, Song Freedom, Shane's Inner Circle, and Daredreamer FM. There will be a link to the blog posts and show notes for this episode to learn more. Lastly, I have one of my more creative and kooky bonus segments after the end credits, so stick around. Okay, let's do this. You're listening to Daredreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. In the summer of 2001, I took a long, lonely drive from the San Francisco Bay Area down the Pacific Coast Highway to Los Angeles. It was an introspective time in my life. I was in a sort of transitional period, doing a lot of existential self-reflection. Along the way, I stopped at a hiking trail where I decided to go for a hike. About a third of the way into the hike, I came upon a stream. I guess it was more like a miniature river. It was kind of like a cross between a stream and a river. It was a striver. About 100 yards down this striver, I came upon a small-ish waterfall. I don't know what it was, but something in me just had to climb the rocks up the side of the waterfall. Now, let me tell you, I had absolutely no business climbing this thing. It was about 20 feet high, and that best, I probably had on a pair of Vans or something of a similar kind of shoe. More than likely, I was wearing some kind of semi-casual lace shoe. Whatever I was wearing, I guarantee you it was not qualified to scale a rock face. But I thought to myself, worst case scenario, if I fall, maybe I sprain an ankle or get a small arm fracture, but I surely wouldn't die. So, channeling my inner Peter Parker, I made my way up the rock face and yelled a mighty and triumphant yelp when I made it to the top. Now, about three or four years earlier, I was on the campus of my alma mater, UC Berkeley. I and my then-girlfriend were taking a stroll and we came upon Strawberry Creek. It's a small creek that runs through the campus. Without thinking, I jumped across to the other side and motioned to my girlfriend to do the same. She absolutely would not. I was like, are you kidding me? Come on, it's so easy. But she wouldn't budge. I even straddled the creek, planting one foot firmly on either side to clearly show her how easy it would be to jump over it. Now, if our lives were a sitcom, this is where there would be a poignant and comical display about the difference between men and women. I was stubborn and would not give up trying to convince her to jump over this damn creek. She was equally stubborn and totally confused as to why I was making such a freaking big deal about this whole thing. I think we spent the next 20 or 30 minutes going back and forth about this. 
but finally she got up the nerve and jumped the creek, clearing the edge easily by about two or three feet. From that point on, whenever she faced a tough situation in life, she remembered her accomplishment at the creek. Now, if you're relatively new to this show, you're probably wondering, what the hell does any of this have to do with gender inequality in Hollywood? If you're a long-time listener to the show, then you know that I'm about to make some kind of odd and strange connection to the topic. And you would be correctamundo. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's special miniseries, Breaking the Glass, stories about gender, race, and making it in the biz. The two stories I told at the top of the show are perfect analogies for what we're discussing today. In my hiking story, I was faced with an obstacle and challenge I was barely qualified to tackle, yet I went for it full bore regardless. In the Jumping the Creek story, my girlfriend at the time was facing an obstacle she actually was easily able to overcome, yet feared and doubted her ability to do it. Today on the show, we're going back to the segments during season one of Radio Film School that had perhaps the most impact in leading us to where we are today. They were a few excerpts from one of the Women in Film episodes that I produced. This first was a short clip I borrowed from one of my favorite podcasts, the TED Radio Hour. In this episode, Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg is talking about the differences between how men and women look at their success. Women systematically underestimate their own abilities. Men attribute their success to themselves and women attribute it to other external factors. If you ask men why they did a good job, they'll say, I'm awesome. If you ask, (laughs) obviously, why are you even asking? If you ask women why they did a good job, what they'll say is someone helped them, they got lucky, they worked really hard. Earlier in that episode, I had this clip from a Hollywood Reporter Roundtable discussion with studio executives, wherein Stacey Snyder, the co-chair of 20th Century Fox, made this comment. There was a great thing on the internet about how women would say great quotes if asked, you know, so instead of um, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, the woman's version would be, you know, I have this idea and I'm not sure if I should bring it up in this meeting, but it seems that if we all pitched in, we could do a lot for the country. (laughs) And I do think that that part of it, in terms of just finding your swagger and your stride, could be the next step. Those two clips from that episode largely contributed to me making the now infamous suggestion that one of the keys to women achieving success was to quote unquote, think like a man. But since airing that episode, the evidence continues to stack up about how pervasive this problem really is. For instance, just last week on another podcast I listen to frequently, Natalie Portman was speaking to John Horn of The Frame, KPCC's daily show about art and culture. John was interviewing Natalie about her directorial debut, and she shared this. And I found it so hard for myself at the beginning when someone would say, you know, what color do you want this? And I'd be like, well, I'm not sure, but I think maybe, and I knew exactly what I wanted, but somehow it was hard for me to express it. Sometimes 
So I would apologize for myself. I would say, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure that's right, you know. And then I realized that that was completely inefficient and impossible when you're doing it all day long. You have to say, you have to be direct. It's literally the, in the word of the job is you have to say, I want it like that. I want it like that. I want it like that. And be precise and exact and brief. So what were you doing? Why were you hedging your own? Well, I felt like it was part of my socialization that it was somehow I felt like I shouldn't be bossing people, you know, and it felt like there was something in me related to being female that was hard for me to say, I want it this way and feel comfortable with that. Of course, after one week, I could do that. <laughs> um, but that's why I feel like it would be great if this was just something, you know, all girls I mean, maybe all kids, who knows, maybe boys have the same thing. I only know, having been a girl, what that experience is like. So, But it felt like it was a great kind of school for just saying what I wanted. If you have any kind of interest in the goings-on in the entertainment and art world, you should be listening to The Frame. It's a great show. Anyway, the evidence continues to pile on. Here's a clip from the trailer for the Breaking the Class series itself. This is Nichelle Protho speaking. She's a VP of the production company Sandra Moses and COO of Slam Digital. I think the biggest challenge and also the biggest failure that I've had in this business has been the lack of willingness to pat myself on the back and tell people what I was responsible for and claim it. And what I've seen work in this industry is, particularly with men, is when they do something that they they claim it and they let everyone know that they are responsible for it. And it doesn't matter how small. Now, as you know, my dear friend, show regular and co-producer for this series is Yolanda Conkren. She's actually producing a future segment for the series. And part of that involved interviewing her business partner, Christina Kramer, a post-production supervisor. In Yolanda's discussion with Christina, they address this attitude women have, an attitude they see themselves and recognize as one that needs to change. I think a lot of times women will also undercut themselves in the way that they present. I mean, I start conversations that way all the time and, and try to be aware of it where I say I preface it with, you know, you can disregard this. Uh, this is just my opinion, but yes, um, yes, instead yes, of I, just- I- have been making a conscious effort lately, I would say even in the last year, to really pay attention to the things that come out of my mouth and the things that I write. And I'm constantly finding myself, you know, making those caveats to start. And instead of just being, instead of just saying, this is what I think and this is what I mean and I want you to listen to it right now. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? No, it's like there's an there's a self-awareness that women have to have, but like if another woman or man for that matter were to approach something in that way, the way I would hear it is more of like, oh, they are trying to be uh, mindful of that this is part of a discussion, that they're not trying to trump out other people's ideas, um, that it's more so to just give a feeling of safeness, that it's not an aggressive um, uh, conversation. And uh, so I wouldn't hear that as someone being weak. I would just actually hear that as someone 
being mindful of other people's opinions. And I appreciate that. There's a term that's used to describe this attitude of self-doubt or lack of confidence, the imposter syndrome. Wikipedia defines it as a term coined in 1978 by clinical psychologists Dr. Pauline R. Clance and Suzanne A. Imes, referring to high-achieving individuals marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishment and a persistent fear of being exposed as a quote-unquote fraud. The phrase first appeared on my podcast back in that aforementioned Women in Film episode. In it, Elaine McMillian Sheldon, a Peabody award-winning documentary filmmaker of all things, told me this. Well, I mean, when you emailed me, I asked my husband, I said, it's a total imposter syndrome of, well, who am I to be the authority on women in filmmaking? You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I questioned it for a second. Uh Um, It's a thing. It's a thing. And it's got to stop for sure. I mean, I think you bring up a, you bring up something that, first of all, I try to ignore and also I pretend doesn't, I don't, doesn't exist Mm -hmm. because it does. Um, And I had. I think it was Ingrid Kopp, who's from the Tribeca Film Institute on our show, and she does. And she said that uh, she, as a curator, was trying to get women to be speakers at this event she's having. And she's always curating events. And and it's the same as you. Like, you know, these women are like, no, you know, I don't really feel like I'm the person to be the authority on this. But, like, the man always says yes to her. And it's not just women filmmakers who feel like this. In the last Breaking the Glass episode, you heard from Julie Harris-Walker, VP of Sales and Marketing for Entertainment Partners, but also host of her own podcast, The Other 50%, a show where she interviews women in the industry. Julie was sharing with me the challenges she has had sometimes getting women on her show. I've had that same experience too, and I'm talking to someone who's like, you know, a senior vice president somewhere at a studio, and they say, oh, you don't want to talk to me. Like, I don't have anything to say. Like, kind of yes, the imposter exactly. syndrome. That's like, exactly I, you know, the term, that's exactly the term Elaine used, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, talk to someone who's really successful. Well, if you've talked to everybody else and I'm the last one, <laughs> like, really? So yeah, it's imposter. So why is it? I mean, is that is is that does that go back to that whole conditioning thing that we were talking about earlier? Is that something like how does that change? Like if, if the answer is not oh. to quote unquote act or think like a man, then how does that change? That's a really good question. I think it. I think part of it is seeing enough examples of women who do it, and I also think there's an element like in the Benet Brown of it all of vulnerability because part of it is if you see another woman who's a producer or something do an interview and she's a freaking badass <laughs> i think it only adds to the imposter syndrome of oh my god i'm not as good as she is god you know i i don't i don't know i mean i can't speak for all women it's something in there mm-hmm. Now, I have to admit, when I was including all of these clips for this episode, I was kind of worried that it would be too much. Like, I don't want listeners to feel like I'm beating you over the head with it. Technically, one or two clips might have been enough to make my point. But then I thought to myself, no, I want you to experience how truly pervasive and insidious this problem really is. From studio executives down to post-production supervisors to Fortune 500 managers, you see women doubting themselves even after they've proven they belong at the proverbial table. I want you to hear all of these examples and get mad. 
Start to do what Yolanda suggested and listen to the words which are coming out of your mouth. What are they saying about how you feel about yourself? When we come back after the break, you'll hear from one woman I spoke with that has perhaps one of the most unique takes on the imposter syndrome, as well as a refreshingly positive outlook in how she deals with this issue. That's when we return. listen carefully. One of the supporters of Breaking the Glass is Videoblox, a subscription service to license premium HD and 4K stock footage. When you go to videoblox.com RFS, you can sign up for a free 7-day trial that allow you to download up to 140 clips from their main library. If you like what you see, use that same link and you can get their year plan for as little as $99. The normal rate is $79 a month. You'll get unlimited downloads from their library of over 115,000 clips. You also get access to the marketplace of over 1 million user-generated stock clips at rates as low as $20 to $30 cheaper than other popular stock sites. Now, I'm sure many of you have seen Videobox promos all over the place, but you can really help out our show if you go to our support link. We don't get any extra money if you use that link, but if they see lots of people using it, it justifies their investment in the show and in this message. So remember, that's videoblocks.com RFS. Also, did you know that the day that I posted this episode, September 1st, is the one-year anniversary of the start of this podcast? And what a terrific year it's been. We've been number one in our category in iTunes. We've been a new and noteworthy. Named by Cinema 5D is one of the top five filmmaking podcasts to binge during the summer and named by No Film School as the filmmaker's podcast we've all been waiting for. We have a lot of accomplishments to be thankful for, but we couldn't have done it without you, the listeners. So as a thank you, if you sign up for our yearly premium membership, you'll get $20 off. What would normally be $59.95 for the year will only be $39.95. That'll get you access to bonus episodes, ebooks, contract and creative brief templates, access to my archive for my last podcast, Crossing the 180, and other resources to help you grow in your craft and career. Just go to daredreamer.fm slash one year. That's daredreamer.fm slash the number one, then year. I'm excited for where we're going year two, and I look forward to you coming along for the ride. So we've been talking about the different ways men and women look at their achievements and the pervasiveness of the imposter syndrome among women. And as I alluded to before the break, one woman I talked to had a refreshing take on how she sees herself and how she considers this issue. I think that gender discrimination is, is a very real thing. Amina Moreau is the executive creative director of Still Motion, an Emmy award-winning studio based in Portland, Oregon, that has shot for the Super Bowl as well as some of the top brands in the world. Amina and I had a lot to say on this topic, so we're going to settle in a bit with my discussion with her. Take a listen. And I am not going to downplay that by saying the following statement. And I don't want the following statement to undermine sort of the very real um, reality that women face in this industry and other industries as well. But I think that self-confidence has a, um, 
can be a big factor in that and how we present ourselves. And, um, I, I actually went to a women in business event at a, at a university function here in Portland. And one of the presenters mentioned a sort of an anecdote where if men are applying for a job and they look at their resume and they look at their, uh, the requirements for the job and they see, oh, I fit three out of the 10 requirements. I'm going to go for it. Whereas women, when we compare a resume to the requirements, we might say, oh, I only fit nine out of 10. I'm going to wait. I'm not ready. Funny enough, this statistic came up a few times in my interviews with women. Going back to my conversation with Julie Walker, she told me, Like the data shows, if a woman's going for a job and there are six qualifications, she has to have seven of those qualifications before she thinks she's ready to put herself forward for it. Right. A man will see the six qualifications and be like, I think I got one of those. I got it. Throw me in. I can do that job. (laughs) (laughs) So in that instance, yeah, think like a man. You can do it. Okay, here's Amina again. I don't know whether that is just a function of confidence or, or just the way that people are raised. Um, and whether there are gender differences in how men are raised versus women in the Western world, which is the world that I know best anyway. But I think that speaks volumes to how we approach things. And I think that part, maybe part of the reason that I haven't felt a whole lot of discrimination is because I don't present myself differently than a man would. I just present myself as me. And this is me. And this is, these are my differentiators. And here's where I'm strong. Here's where I have some weaknesses, but my team fills in the blanks. And uh, let's go. Let's do this. If we all feel that it's the right fit. And if it's not the right fit, then that's okay, too, because there will be other people that might be the right fit. I really think Amina is on the ball with regards to how she interacts with her male clients. But then we got into the nitty gritty of this imposter syndrome topic. And she had a perspective that I thought was mm, intriguing. Imposter syndrome also has its place. Ah, tell me about that. Okay, maybe not the word syndrome part, you know, anytime it becomes debilitating, then let's, let's evaluate whether it actually has a place. But I think that we should ask ourselves, is it all, is it all in my head? Is this just me doubting myself without any basis or foundation? Or am I actually doing my client or whomever a disservice by overpromising because I actually may not be able to deliver on this <laughs> right, because right. it's beyond my skill level or whatever it is. And I think that that sometimes maybe we put ourselves in situations where maybe we might not have the the right amount of of self-awareness to know the difference. And I wonder whether some people that go in with that, oh, yeah, I fit one of the 10 criteria. I can do this job. Um, Whether that's ethical, whether it is right to to promise somebody something and and actually only have 10 percent of the requirements that are on the list. And so I think for that, that reason, not just for our own personal satisfaction and fulfillment and growth as human beings, but also for the fairness for the people that we're collaborating with or working for, we should be asking ourselves as objectively as possible, am I the right person for the job? Hmm. Interesting. 
So my mind is thinking about different things right now. One of the things I'm thinking all comes down to this topic of how men think versus how women think. And I can see I can see there being a larger percentage of men thinking, for lack of a better word, I don't give enough if I don't fit the requirements. I will learn on the job or I will I'll get the job first and I'll worry about meeting the requirements later. Whereas I can see women maybe having that stronger ethical and, you know, to an extent commendable mindset that, you know, if I truly am not uh, qualified to do this job, then I don't want to take it or whether it's a job or whether it's a gig or whatnot. Whereas a man, generally speaking, might say, yeah, even if not, if I'm not quite there, I'm going to take it. And one story that comes to mind is um, Ryan is um, uh, Ryan Koo. Uh, I think he just goes by Koo. He's the founder of No Film School. And I had him on my old podcast. And he told the story of how he got his job uh, before he started No Film School, how he got his job at MTV, where he basically essentially lied about his resume to get an editing gig working at MTV in New York for a year. And he learned on the job. And you know, again, in the trailer for Breaking the Glass, one of the women talks about how, you know, one of her um, things that she wishes she had done in the past is maybe speak up more for herself and how men are basically always quick to, like, essentially pat themselves on the back or to take credit for something, regardless of how small it is. So, again, that whole mindset of – I just wonder if this whole mindset – and going back to your point about – you know, the ethical nature of being self-aware of your capabilities and then taking a job or not taking a job based on that. If in addition to the imposter syndrome, there's a stronger honesty streak in women that prevents them from maybe taking jobs that they truly aren't qualified for. Hmm. And the men taking that job anyway, and even if he's not totally qualified for it, just because in his mindset, he'll learn on the job. Your, yeah. th- your thoughts on that? I don't... I think <laughs> I think it would be dangerous of me to say, uh, yeah, what, women are more honest than men. Ooh, that is a, that's a <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, you're yeah. right. I wouldn't want yeah. you to say that, but I just wonder if that. Uh, anyway, keep going. I just wonder if that's an aspect of yeah, this um, whole discrepancy you know, the, between men and women in the industry. There was there was a talk that I went to um, where an industrial organizational psychologist was talking about some gender studies that he was doing. And he made sort of a, he made a really general comment, but he made it in a way that sounded like it was founded in, in like solid research where he was talking about the fact that men, when they communicate, they tend to communicate sometimes in abstract or in more higher level strategic ways versus women, when they communicate, they get into the the details and are very relational when it comes to that communication. But if that's the case, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if women, if, if men are going into a situation thinking more in the long term, in the higher vision, in the abstract of what if, you know, I, what if I take this, what does the next five years look like versus what if I don't take this and I don't make the leap um, versus women might be thinking about the details and thinking of, well, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? And also thinking about the relationship with that client or that em- employer or whatever person is in question and 
considering how the honesty will affect them too, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say that maybe one is more selfish than the other, but maybe one is more strategic and one is more relational. Julie Harris Walker has a segment that I think you really should take to heart. I was recently in a in a situation myself where I was interviewing for a job and I had five and a half the qualifications and everything in me wanted to hold back and I kept saying to myself, act like a man, act like a man. Yes, I can do that job. <laughs> like I can figure it out. I know I can. But it took a lot of self-talk for me to get there because my instinct was, oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> So that that's that's one aspect. I think we need to own our self-esteem, own our confidence, say yes, know that you can do it. I think women spend a lot of time waiting for permission, waiting to be discovered, like not just as an as like an actor, but waiting to be waiting to be discovered as in oh, she's smart, she's talented, let me help push her forward in her career. I think we hang back and wait. So in that aspect, I think women need to be a lot better at, well, see, here's the catch 22. The data also shows when women promote themselves, they're penalized for it and it doesn't give them the effect they were looking for. When women promote each other, it goes a lot further. And that just speaks to unconscious gender bias. I understand that this issue isn't an easy one to solve. As Julie mentioned, a lot of this goes to unconscious gender bias. That means men aren't necessarily even purposefully responding to confident or assertive women negatively. It's built into how they've been raised. And in coming episodes, we'll address the issue of what changes can be done at the toddler and elementary school level now that will help generations of the future not have to deal with accepting less or being treated less than. In the meantime, I think it's pretty obvious from this episode what women should be doing. Women need to act and think like men. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was my stupid man joke. I have no doubt that Tema Steg of Women in Media is listening right now and shaking her head, yelling at her iPhone. Enough with the stupid man jokes already, Ron. I love you, Tema. No, seriously, I think there is a way for women to change the tide and develop a sense of confidence without sacrificing who they are as women. First, like Yolanda said, start being mindful of what you're saying or writing. Be self-aware enough to know when you're reverting to that less confident, self-effacing, self-deprecating, mousy individual. Second, like Amina said, just be yourself. Part of confidence is just that. Being yourself, even though there may be fear inside you telling you to be someone or something other than who you were meant to be. I think a conversation I had with Kathleen Shannon sums it up nicely. Kathleen is owner of Braid Creative, where she helps professional creatives with branding and business visioning. I also co-host the Being Boss podcast with Emily Thompson, and there we are dishing out advice, tactics, to-dos, and personal stories with a lot of confidence and a lot of guidance for other creative entrepreneurs who are maybe just a few steps behind us on their own path. I've interviewed Kathleen a couple of times before, and conversations with her are always illuminating. 
And here was her contribution to this topic about cultivating confidence. So I know that you've been on Tara Gentile's show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so she's someone that I've been working with over the past six months. And what I really learned from listening to her podcast and having her on my podcast and, and a lot of other strong, confident um, women is just that confidence is everything. And so anything you can do to cultivate more confidence in your life, the better off you're going to be. And just being unapologetic, but then also being really vulnerable and real. And I think that there's a lot that women have to offer in their emotional intelligence and their ability to be vulnerable that could change the world. Women are in a really powerful place, not in spite of their femininity and not in spite of their gender, but because of it. May you find the courage to be the women you were meant to be unapologetically, unabashedly, and with a boldness and bravery that set your life and your career in the direction you've always desired. Remember to stay tuned after the credits for my cookie bonus segment. You're not going to want to miss it. Breaking the Glass is a Radio Film School miniseries and a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was produced in part by Yolanda Cochran, additional production help from Chris Huslidge. If you have a story about something good or bad that happened to you in this business as a result of your gender, whether you're a woman or a man, I'd love to hear it. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to radiofilmschool at daredreamer.fm. Or you can go to our website at daredreamer.fm and use the Send a Voicemail button at the bottom of any page. We just might use it on the show. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. And speaking of music, Song Freedom has a huge library of songs from every genre. And they're your best source to license music for mainstream artists like the Lumineers, American Authors, One Republic, and Kobe Calais, or classic tunes from the likes of Sinatra, The Temptations, Bob Dylan, and more. Go to songfreedom.com slash radio and sign up for a new account and you'll get a free standard gold level license worth $30. That's songfreedom.com slash radio. Thanks Song Freedom again for their support. You can support the show by leaving a rating and review in iTunes. Let us know what you think. Your comments really help get this message out because they help the show be found by new people and it keeps our ratings up. You can follow me on Twitter at FM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. This week, I'd like to leave you with a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. See you in two weeks. Hey folks, real quick, before we get to today's bonus segment, I want to send a quick shout out and thanks to Whipster. Quickly and easily share videos with clients and collaborators in a sleek design and intuitive interface that allows you to make frame-accurate comments and annotations. If you're an Adobe Premiere Pro user, you can share right from within Whipster and download commented videos back into Premiere. And it's the only video collaboration tool that integrates directly with Vimeo, allowing you to go from Whipster to Vimeo and back again. Just go to whipster.io to learn more. Hello, dear friends. Welcome to another edition of Cooking with Kathleen. 
the show where you get the most unusual yet scrumptious food and dish concoctions served up fast. Today, Kathleen shares a secret recipe for oatmeal that sounds wacky, but is scrum delicious. And now, here's Cooking with Kathleen. I'm sitting down with eating my breakfast of champions. What's your breakfast of champions? Well, this morning it is a slice of wheat toast and a cup of instant Trader Joe's coffee. Ron. (laughs) Is there anything on the toast? This is like the saddest breakfast I've ever heard. (laughs) I I have butter on it. Okay. All right. No, I will probably... I just... I just like don't have time. I will. Um, I'll probably have oatmeal after. I just ate some oatmeal. Oh yeah. Um, we'll... Have I ever told you my oatmeal secret? Oh no! What is it? I'm kind of known for this. Whip an egg into your oats. Really? I swear to God, it's so good. It like, and I think it freaks most people out, but like, it makes it so creamy and rich, and just a little extra protein. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, have you ever heard of uh, bulletproof coffee? Yeah, I did that for a while, and then I gained ten pounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you gave that up right quick. <laughs> yeah, I have this stuff in my freezer right now called Fat Fudge, mm-hmm. and it's essentially the bulletproof coffee. So, what it is, it's a recipe of ghee, tahini a little bit of honey, some maca powder, cinnamon, turmeric, cacao. Um, wow. That's yeah. Nice. Anyway, so I like made that up and then I froze it into cubes and then I would blend that into my coffee. And then and then 10 pounds later, I was like maybe drinking 30 grams of fat every morning is not <laughs> the best. <laughs> I think the idea is that you don't – immediately boost all your insulin first thing in the morning with something like wheat toast. (laughs) You really rely on fat for your fuel source. The problem is if at any point you eat carbs on top of all of this fat, then you're just f***ed. And that was Cooking with Kathleen. You might not be too crazy about her oatmeal recipes, But you'll dig the business advice that she and Emily Thompson dish out every week on Being Boss. Check them out at beingboss.club. Until next time, eat well, dear friends. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh.